0: This has been a fun series. We're talking about happy. Aren't you glad that you're seated next to somebody who's happy today? Aren't you glad about that? Come on, just look at them. That's a happy person right there. If they're not smiling, you just need to rebuke them right now. Just look at them. Say, turn that frown upside down. This is a happy place. Maybe you're not so happy today. Then you know what? You have come to the right place because we are in this series on happy, and it's a study on the book of Philippians. Pastor Herbert has been preaching this series in so many great truths, some wonderful truths, really meant to teach us what the difference is in the world's happiness and a joy that comes from the Lord. As we're looking at this this book of Philippians, just a bit of a backdrop for those of you who may be just now joining us, and so you haven't heard maybe some of the uh, background that leads up to where we are today, we're talking about the book of Philippians. It's the story of this guy by the name of Paul who started a church in a city called Philippi. And then subsequent to that, he's going on, he's telling people all over about Jesus. As a result of telling people about Jesus, he gets arrested. Not because he's doing anything wrong, but because he's doing everything right and they didn't like it. So they arrest him and, and he's placed in this Roman jail and he is handcuffed, chained to a Roman soldier... And while there, he writes this letter back to the church that he started in Philippi. And it's this letter that we call the book of Philippians. Now, when he's writing this letter to the Philippians, it's really crazy because you think about the circumstances in which and from which he's writing. And he's talking to them about how to experience the joy of the Lord. That's a big deal. I mean, especially for some of us here today, this might be just the perfect message that you need to hear because you find yourself struggling and, and you lack joy. You want joy, but it seems to be something that you cannot attain. I know as a parent, I just watched that promo for the parenting series. I, I'm really looking forward to that one. All right, so we're gonna be taking good notes. But I know that we're constantly training our children, doing everything that we can, and I want my kids to be filled with joy. One of the things that we're We're trying to teach. We have five girls, one little boy. We're trying to teach these kiddos is that happiness is a choice. It's an attitude. It's not an activity. It's something that you get to decide, and so we teach them over and over. It's like, hey, today can be whatever you want it to be. You want to be happy today, you can choose that. And so we say that in the mornings, and, and, and let me just say there are certain ones of my kids that uh, we say it more often to than the others, but when I see them, I say, hey, today's going to be a great day. You know why? And they'll say it back to me, because I've already decided Dad, that. say, like, that's right. We've already decided. It's going to be great. And then towards the end of the day, you kind of have to say it again and, and then again, and And then again, and then you just start praying and fasting. God, I hope something's clicking. But one day, we're on a daddy-daughter date. I, along with one of my my sweethearts, we're at a daddy-daughter date. And uh, where better to go for ice cream than Ben's Happy Place? I mean, that, that just sounds fun, doesn't it? So we went to Ben's Happy Place. We loaded up on the ice cream. We were sitting down there at the table. My baby girl, Bria, said to me, she said, Dad... I want you to know I've been paying attention, and I know that uh, it's up to me to be happy. And so, like, recently, I think they'd gone to a birthday party or come back or something, been playing with some friends, whatever it was. Like, hey, how'd it go? Oh, it was all right, and it wasn't that much fun. I said, bummer for you. Bummer for you. You didn't bring the happy with you. You don't wait for somebody else to make you happy. So we're just, like, having all, like, you got to get this. So here we are now at the daddy. She said, you know what, I've, I've really been thinking, I'm getting that. I'm getting happiness is up to me. It's a choice. I said, sweetheart, I am so proud of you. She said, but can I be honest? And I said, sure. She said, this ice cream sure makes it easier. And so I loved it there in that moment that she was like gut level honest. She's like, happiness is up to me, but this is helping. You know, she was just being real. And here's the truth. It's like ice cream. How many guys would admit, come on, I'm thinking right now, big old bowl of butter brickle. That's what I'm thinking right now. Some of you going straight to Brahms right after church today. You're like, yes, Lord. How many guys admit that ice cream just makes it easier to be happy? But here's one of the things that we've been learning through this series, and Pastor Herbert was teaching us this. This is the story of the book of Philippians, this letter Paul's writing back to Philippi. He is chained to a Roman soldier, This is not a bowl of ice cream. And what did he do to get there? Telling people about Jesus. He didn't even deserve this. Circumstances were bad. Life's not going great. This is not a moment where he's like, hey, everything's going awesome. Hope you're having fun too. But instead, in the midst of his difficulty, he's writing back to them. And he says the word joy, the word joyful or rejoice 14 different times. You would think he's writing from some beach somewhere. You would think he's writing from some parade or some carnival. But you know what he's telling us? Even in the midst of difficulty, you can still have your joy. So week one, here was the thought. Here's the thought. Pastor Herbert told us, the world didn't give it. See, when it comes to happiness, if this was merely this pursuit of happiness, what we're learning is that happiness is based on happenstance. What's happening? So you get a new car, happy, everything's going great. It breaks down, sad, mad, not glad, everything's bad. I got a new job. Hey, this is awesome, got a job. You lose your job. I'm not happy anymore, I'm sad. The kids are behaving, praise the Lord, there is a God. And then they're not. You're like, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's half, it's sappy, it happy, sad, mad, glad. You get all, it's messed up. But when it's about joy, it's unshakable. When it's about joy, it's unsinkable. When it's about joy and finding the source of your joy being God, you find that the world didn't give it. And how many of you are thankful the world can't take it away? So that's part of what we're learning. Week two, we looked at having a winning attitude. I love it. that Pastor Herbert talked about controlling negativity. Aren't you glad you're not seated next to somebody who's negative today? Aren't you glad about that? No, that's a happy person right there. Negativity will decrease your joy. Week three, we looked at safeguards for guarding your joy, having the right perspective, the right passion, taking the right path. Week four, secrets of contentment, seeing God as the source and understanding the difference in wants and needs. So here we are, the final week this final week on this study of of, of what true joy is about and how to experience it, how to attain it, and how to maintain it. And what I want to specifically look at is this thought of how does God provide? How does God bless? How does God favor your life in such a way to where you can experience This very joy that we've been talking about over the last four weeks. How is it something that you can realize in your own life? Well, if there's been any theme throughout all of these messages, it's this. We have a lovingly father, a loving father who wants to lavish us with his blessings. God wants what's best for you. Hear that. God longs for, he desires to bless you. He's a good father. He's a loving father. He's not out for what he can get from you. Listen, he doesn't need anything. How many of you understand that God is very God with or without us? How many of you understand that? He does not need help being God. He does not need help being satisfied. He is satisfied in himself. He wants, though, to bless us because he wants us to be filled with a joy that is unshakable and unsinkable. And so what he does is he teaches us through Scripture, specifically as we're looking at Philippians, how to be on the receiving end of his joy. And just like I would say to my sweetheart Bria, I would say to me, I would say to you, the choice is up to us. And yet he gives us in this letter some things let's call it some some ice cream thoughts let's just look at it this way he gives us some things that just make it easier. Just wave at me if you say, I'd like some keys on making joy easier. Come on, wave at me if you just say, I would like that. I would like that. Give me some of these keys. Here's what you understand when you read scripture, is that God sets it up to where there are a lot of things that we will or we will not experience based on how we respond to his promises. You can call it if then. Like in Romans, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. In the book of James, it says, if you humble yourself, God will lift you up. In the book of Luke, chapter 6, it talks about if you forgive others, you yourself will be forgiven. So you can call it the if-then, or you can call it the response to responsibility, the privilege, the benefit, the reward that follows being responsible. I saw that even growing up in my own family. I had a mom a dad who loved me, who cared for me, who would give me advice, who would give me a, a counsel. You know why? They wanted me to win. They wanted me to experience good things. So they would say, hey, you want life to go well for you? Do your homework. You want to be blessed? Good, good grades. You ever want to stand a chance at driving in your life ever? Be responsible. You want today to be a good day? Get in there and clean your room. They would give me some if-then scenarios. If you do, good things will happen. If you don't, bad things are going to happen. It was if-then. Did you know that our Heavenly Father has the capacity and the desire to far out bless Anything, any earthly father would ever want to do for his children. And I know how much I love my children. I know how much I want to bless them. But when my heavenly father starts speaking and he gives me the if-then scenarios, I start paying attention because I say, God, I know that you're a good father and that you want to bless me. Some of you are overwhelmed with worry. Filled with anxiety. Cannot experience joy cannot experience this, this, this ability to rejoice in the Lord always that we've been looking at and talking about. You lack joy in your life, and as you're evaluating, I'm wondering if perhaps God brought you to this place during this hour because he wants to show you a joy that comes from generosity, that until you step into that and experience the, the, the fun that comes with living a life that your heart is devoted to, being generous with all that God has given you, You will fail to see the breakthrough in the area of joy that he has for you. I just wonder if there's somebody in here today that Heavenly Father is saying, I cannot wait to open this door of blessing and I'm giving you the keys to do it. The key to your joy is generosity. Well, as he's writing to the Philippians, he's he's not only writing letters to the Philippians, but uh, there's another letter that I want to draw your attention to where he's talking about the uh, Philippians. And so our assignment for today is this verse out of... Uh, let's look at this one first before we go to the Corinthians. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Now, this is a popular, popular verse. A lot of you have it on your refrigerator at home. Some of you have it on your mirror. Some of you have it on your wall. But it's something that a lot of us have heard. And uh, just listen to the weight that this one verse packs and that carries. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet all... Somebody say all... Come on, somebody shout all, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. We're worried, we're afraid, we lack joy because we don't know how we're going to make ends meet, how we're going to pay for all of these things, how I'm going to provide for my family. And my God, he's the source. Will meet all that means what it says, all of them, not some, not most, but all of your needs. How? According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Let me make this connection. I got to Corinthians before I wanted to, I'll get to it in just a second. I referenced it before I should have. But in Philippians, here's the crazy thing about what he's doing, this whole if-then thing. It's just like uh, what I was talking about with my parents on the if you do this, then this. And, And our Heavenly Father is saying the same thing. As Paul is writing this, he makes a connection to God's promise and the power of that promise by pointing out a key that unlocks that blessing. Because it's one thing just to take a verse. A lot of people read the Bible with a highlighter in one hand and a pair of scissors in the other, right? And so they see some verse like this, and most everybody who's had a Bible for a little amount of time, when they get to, my God shall supply all of my needs, where's that that highlighter? Somebody hand me a highlighter, they'll highlight it, they'll underline it, they'll circle it, they'll put an asterisk beside it, which is a great thing. But anytime you're learning and looking at God's promises, you always want to connect to the context in other words what does it say before it and what does it say after it because in this verse like the others that I referenced to you there's a very very important small three-letter word at the very beginning this conjunction this word and And my God will supply all of your... Now, if you're looking at that, you go, what's the and connecting to? So let's read the the context here to make sure that we understand where this is coming from. Philippians chapter 4, let's begin reading with verse 14. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. He's bragging on them. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your accounts. Do you hear that? I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So they sent an offering to Paul through this messenger and he's saying my needs are met you are generous you are loving you are caring you are kind and he says about this offering this offering was a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God conjunction connection marries the two thoughts here it is now My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Here's what he's saying there is a direct connection to their behavior and God's blessing. Do you see the connection? He goes over and says, this is what you did. This is how you responded. This is how you are generous. This is how you are caring. This is how you are loving. And because of that, let me assure you of something. Let me give you this promise from a heavenly father who is waiting to bless you. God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches. Why? Your behavior is linked to God's blessing. Now understand this. You cannot earn salvation. What can you do to be good enough to get to heaven? Nothing. How much can you pay to earn more of God's love, not a penny? There's nothing that you can do to earn it. There's nothing that you could do to buy it. If somebody said, well, I'm, I just I really want God to love me more, I'm going to write a check for a million dollars so that God will love me even more than he does right now. Impossible. God cannot love you any more than he loves you right now because he loves you with an everlasting love the love of a father whose love is unconditional and he loves to pour it on you and to surround you with his grace and mercy you cannot earn salvation you cannot earn his love and yet listen you cannot read your Bible without coming to the conclusion that there are certain blessings that God says as it relates to this path of favor as it relates to this place of abundance I am telling you how to make it easier to experience this here is the key he makes a connection to our faith to our obedience to our actions there is a connection to our behavior and God's blessings and in the area of joy he says let me give you these secrets So that being said, now let me get to what I was talking about, about how he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he was talking about the Philippians. So if you have your copy of God's Word, you're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If not, we have it on the screen. But here's the first point that I want to draw from, how he brags on the Philippians to the Corinthians in that letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. He's talking about the Philippians and their offering when he says, out of the most severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Point number one, joyful people are generous in all circumstances. Just write that down. Joyful people are generous in all circumstances. Listen to that verse again. The Philippians were giving this offering. They were investing in the ministry, the work of the Lord, and they were doing it out of the most Severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Listen to me today, friends. Listen and hear this. The enemy will try and kill your joy by keeping you from experiencing a generous life that leads to unlocking God's blessing in your situation. A lack of generosity is a joy killer that is affecting many today who name the name of Christ. Could it be that there are people in here today that because of circumstances, you are afraid to step out and be generous, and as a result, you wonder why your life lacks joy? So many people will say, I'm waiting for the perfect timing. I'm waiting to have the right circumstances. Then... I'll be generous if gas prices weren't so high then I could be generous come on you can say amen to that I know you felt that one if the economy wasn't so shaky then I could be more generous if interest rates would start going down then I could be more generous when I get that raise or that new job then I will be more generous when I get rid of some of this debt then I can be more generous. When I get these kids out of my house, then I can be more generous. And on and on and on and on and on and on it goes. Joyful people are generous people in all of circumstances. So for the Philippian church, it says, out of their most severe trial, and Paul goes on to say, and their extreme poverty... Even in the midst of that. So it's not so much, what will you do one day? What could you do someday? But here's what our lovingly heavenly father is thinking and looking down when he looks at our hearts. What are you doing right here and right now with what I've already given you? He's not wondering or or, or asking, what would you do one day when your circumstances change? He's asking, how will you live a generous life right in the midst of your severe trial, your extreme poverty, just like the Philippian church? God wants you to be faithful with what you already have so that He can bless you with the more that He intends for you to have. Listen to Luke 16, verses 10 and 11. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Here's what God is saying. When you are faithful, when you are generous, when you are obedient with what I've already entrusted to you, you will see that you are unlocking the blessings of more, of abundance that I have for you. Here's the second thing I want you to see, point number two, and it's this. Generosity is the result of gratitude and is performed with gladness. True God-honoring generosity is the result of a heart of gratitude, and it is performed with gladness. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at that verse with me again. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity you see their generosity was directly tied to their overflowing joy listen to second corinthians chapter 8 verse 4 he says they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints You've got people who are full of gratitude. Why are they full of gratitude? You are full of gratitude when you recognize that every single thing that you have, you have it because God gave it to you. Everything. Some of you are like, well, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what, what God is thinking, but I went out and got this job. And I, I don't know, uh, Jesus wasn't helping me over there mow that yard. You know, I, I know that... I know that Jesus wasn't helping me over there build that house. I know that, I know that Jesus wasn't over there helping me lift that wheelbarrow. I know that Jesus wasn't helping me over there. You know what? If you have a business mind and you close the deal, if you have a strong back and you're out there building, constructing, you're plumbing, you're, you're whatever it is, who gave you that mind? Who gave you that strength? Who gave you that creativity? Who gave you that ability to sell things? When you step back and you realize everything that i have is because i have a good good father who loves me and he blesses me what you realize is all that i have is because you gave it to me and you start saying thank you lord grateful people are generous people people who recognize i didn't get here on my own god gave me the ability to get here and generous people are not only grateful but they give with gladness Joy, joyfully, cheerfully they, they, were, they were looking to, they were pleading urgently, let us be a part of giving. Why? Because people who understand that God has blessed them also understand that when they, they, they are blessed, they are blessed by God, catch this, and for God. Hear this. Life on this earth is really, really, really short. As a follower of Jesus, you and I recognize that eternity is really, really, really long. As a follower of God's Word and somebody who wants to live in His joy, we set our hearts on things above, not on earthly things. And so because of that, as God blesses me, I'm grateful for it. And as a result of being grateful for it, I gladly give when he tells me to give. For some of you, the very first step that you need to take is in obedience to the subject, the thought of tithing. Now, for many of you, you're familiar with that. You're like, amen. Anybody who is tithing, they love it when you preach on tithing. Can I just tell you? Because they like being reminded. Like, tell me again, preacher. Where's that money going? How's God going to bless me? They love that. For other us, others of us who have yet to take that step, it's like, oh, is this angst. Listen, it's not because God's trying to get something from you. It's because God has blessings for you. And here's how he sets it up. He gives you all that you have. And he says, I want you to give me the first 10% back. If you earn $100, you take that first $10 out of it and you give it back. Some people are like, well, if God wanted 10%, why didn't he just give me 90? Why didn't he just keep it? You know why? Because he wants you to be a part of the process. He wants to place it in your hands and he says, now, I want you to show me. I want you to demonstrate. See, this is an act of worship. What we're saying is, yeah, Lord, I want to show. I love you. I worship you. I recognize that everything that I have is yours. So I take the first 10%, the first truth, and I give it back to you. This is yours. It's a statement to the God that we claim to love and serve. And it's a statement to my own heart that I'm not living for right here and right now. I'm living for all of eternity. What Paul even referenced a minute ago, he said, it's not that I'm needing this. I just want it to be credited to your account. I don't know about you. But I pray that God helps me more and more to avoid getting caught up in the pleasures of this world so much that I miss out on laying up treasures for eternity in heaven. Just took my kids the other day, one of those arcade games, you know, the uh, pizza and all that stuff you know and going on kids were running around like crazy people and they got, my daughter was like dad can I have another dollar, I'm like are well, you playing all these games she said oh I want to win tickets and I'm looking at it, I'm going but you win 25 tickets, I give you a dollar you win 25 tickets, I look over at the little kitty thing, you can't even get anything but 25 tickets so I started trying to explain it to my five year old then I just said here's the dollar go ahead just you know win the thing I'll show you in a minute so you, you, you take dollars The value. You put it in, you get the 25 tickets, and you get over there and they're like, piece of candy. I'm like, you know what? You could have bought a whole pack of candy if you'd have just saved the dollar. There's some people that are taking eternal treasures. God's placed it in your hand. And here's what he's saying. With gratitude, with gladness, invest it in my work. Be generous and watch and see if I won't pour out a blessing over you. That's so great. Both now and forevermore, because your mind and your heart are set on eternity. It's not just here. Listen to what it says in in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? He answers, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. He's saying, bring that first fruit. Bring the tithe. That first 10%, give it to the Lord through his local storehouse, this church. Isn't it cool that we get to be a part of a church where we see so many lives being changed, people saved, people set free from addiction, marriages being healed, kids being trained and raised up in the ways of the Lord. When you are bringing your tithe into this storehouse, you are allowing God to bring food to his house that's feeding, that's caring for, that's loving on, hurting people. It's the first step. You start with that 10%, but it doesn't stop there. Generous people are the happiest people. I see that even in our pastors, Pastor Herbert and Tiffany. Some of the most generous people I've ever met, and yet some of the most joyful people that I've ever met. God has placed that leadership here at this house because He wants that to be the spirit of this entire house. Why? Because He wants all of us to live with a joy that is unspeakable, that is impossible to describe and explain. It's a joy. Let me give you this final thought, and then I'm going to wrap up. Number three, generous giving leads to miraculous living. Generous giving leads to miraculous living. I say that because I know that there are some of you, you've already started that, that path of just obedience to the Lord, so you are tithing, and you're honoring God with the tithe and that is a wonderful, wonderful place to start. Here's what you'll find, the closer you get to God, the more you become like Jesus, the more generous your whole lifestyle becomes. Why? Because just like with the example of you could have had more bang for your buck had you realized this is a momentary pleasure rather than an eternal treasure. When we realize I can use earthly wealth for God's eternal glory. I can send this ahead. And literally when you give to the Lord's work, what we just read in Philippians is it is credited to your account. Every dollar that you invest in God's work, it is sent on ahead. It accomplishes His work while on earth, and you are rewarded for it for all of eternity. And what happens is when we partner with God in the here and now, your generous giving leads to miraculous living. Let me say it this way as Paul described it as he's explaining to the Corinthians how the Philippians were a part of this miracle. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able And listen to this And even beyond their ability How do you give beyond your ability? Like what can you give if you don't currently possess it? How do you give beyond your ability? Here's how this works you recognize that all that you have is from God and for God and then as God begins to open your eyes and your heart to generosity and you break through giving uh, thresholds and that's what happens for all of us the closer you get to God the closer you get to heaven the more you realize the more I want to send ahead and so you go through thresholds that you'll break through and you become more and more and more like Jesus more and more and more generous in your giving that's how it works And as you're doing that, what happens is you begin to see God moving supernaturally in your life more than you ever have before because generous giving leads to supernatural living. You see this not just in this passage, but you see it over and over in Scriptures. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Listen to this. With the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Listen to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Listen to Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use... It will be measured back to you. God desires to bless you. God desires to free you from worry and anxiety. He wants you to have a joy that is beyond your ability to explain. And could it be that you are one generous step away from experiencing joy like you've never experienced it before? Generous giving leads to supernatural living. my family, we, we tithe, we're faithful with our tithe and yet then there are times that God speaks to our heart and says now I want you to give to this offering give to dream builders I want you to give towards uh, this community event or something like day of hope or whatever, God will speak something so you give towards that and then there have been times along the way that God has taken us through a threshold to a, a new place of giving, a new place of trusting in Him and that happened a few years ago God spoke to my heart and said, I want you and your family to be a part of helping raise $1 million for missionaries. And I thought, that sounds like a lot of fun. I just don't know how to raise a $1 million for missionaries. God, how would I ever do it? He said, here's how it's going to happen. I want you to challenge the young people in your youth ministry to give $200,000 in one year to missions. And I'm going to take their stories of faith, and it's going to encourage other young people across the nation. And collectively, you're going to raise a million dollars for missions. I thought, that sounds awesome too. How do you get teenagers to give $200,000 to missions? The Lord said the way they're going to be inspired to give $200,000 to missions is that you and your wife are going to, in one year, give $50,000 of your income towards missions. I was like, Lord, that is really cool and would be awesome if we had $50,000 to give. How does this work? It's because generous giving leads to supernatural living. I don't know how to explain it except for when God places it in your hand and you put it in His, some type of supernatural multiplication takes place in, from this hand to God's hand, from this hand to God's hand. And so I, I thought either she's going to divorce me or we're about to go on a journey of a lifetime together. And I told her, I said, I feel like God's supposed to uh, wants us to give $50,000 to missions. And she always has so much more faith. And she's like, let's do it. And I'm like, yeah, that's real fair. But she always has that kind of faith and expectation. We stepped out. We gave over $50,000. Check this out. The young people in one youth ministry at one church, one group of young people, gave over $200,000 to missions. And as a result, we didn't raise $1 million, but we raised $2 million for missionaries. Through that one little effort of being generous towards the things of God and I don't tell you to say that and go look at how cool we are I tell you that story to say there are times in your life that God speaks to you and says it's time to press through that threshold some of you your next step is tithing your first step and I know that you're going to have to take a deep breath but trust in God and see that he's a good father who doesn't need anything from you he's just ready to bless you he wants to favor you And, and listen he cannot he will not bless disobedience but he cannot wait to bless you when you trust and you obey for others of you your next step is to break through a threshold and say God I want to be more generous I want to do more than I've ever done for your kingdom use me for your glory I want to pray a blessing over you and as I pray I'm going to dare to believe that something supernatural is about to happen in your heart I've already been praying that faith would rise in this moment. I've been praying that the joy of generosity would come all over you right now as you say yes right now to being the generous person that God has called you to be and that His joy would be your strength. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your promises that are true. I thank you, Lord, that you're always with us and you're always for us. And as we step out and do your will and carry out your word, Lord, your blessings are poured out on us. I pray for a supernatural, God-initiated breakthrough in hearts right now for every person in this room. Lord that our minds would be set on eternity and we would use the right here and the right now for your eternal work I pray God that there would be a faith and an excitement that accompanies the joy of generosity and that people's church would be used by you and blessed by you more than ever before as we lay our treasures in heaven we pray these things in Jesus mighty name Amen.